Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. This show is sponsored by Anything Up, when you need a second opinion. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron, and Matthew Aaron has lost his voice because I've been yelling at Dragon Boats for the past couple weeks because it's almost Dragon Boat Festival here in Taiwan, and I am on a Dragon Boat team called the Spartans, and we will be racing next week, so good luck to everybody on the team. We have two boats. We will let you know in a week or so if we won, but before that, let's listen to this conversation with Jeff Berwick, aka the Dollar Vigilante. And he is known for sharing his ideas and theories about everything. Some people might call him a conspiracy theorist. Actually, I asked him, are you a conspiracy theorist? He said, yeah, until these theories proved to be true. The editors, when they were done, they came back and said this was an amazing conversation. And they came back, I gave them about an hour of conversation. They came back with 55 minutes of conversation. They said they didn't want to touch it. They just wanted to let it, the whole conversation go. So enjoy this conversation with the Dollar Vigilante. But before that, please go to Crypto101Podcast.com. You can join our social medias there, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Please, if you're going to join the Facebook page, answer all three questions or else we won't let you in because we don't want spam and people trying to fraud people in the group. This is one level of protection. Also, you can send us an email. There's a contact button there. We'll always reply. It might take a couple days. And make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating and a review. It helps us to keep on the iTunes top charts so people can find us easier. Without further ado, here is the Dollar Vigilante. Great guy. Amazing conversation. And it was a lot of fun. Enjoy. Jeff Berwick, a.k.a. Dollar Vigilante, welcome to Crypto 101. My pleasure. Jeff, first I want to say thank you for coming on the show and thank you for taking the time out of your day. What we're going to do today is go over just the basics, the 101s about you. What we want to do is talk about you. We want to talk to see where you came from and tell us about how you started Dollar Vigilante. Then go into your ideas a little bit because your ideas are, I would say, a little bit extreme or radical or different or just out of mainstream and since we're going out of mainstream you know one thing that is very out of mainstream is bitcoin blockchain this whole movement how those ideas relate to bitcoin and blockchain and then just talk about the space in general what do you think sounds good to me all right sounds good jeff tell us about yourself a little bit who are you where are you from <laughs> well, I was born in a place called Canada, but I don't believe in nation states. It's just a way to describe a geographic region and grew up in a very cold weather, minus 40, a place called Edmonton. Uh, if anyone knows uh, hockey, they'd know Edmonton. That's where Wayne Gretzky played. And uh, that's about the only good thing about Edmonton. So pretty quickly, I wanted to get out of there and I, I moved to Vancouver and started an internet company uh, It's called Stockhouse.com, which is still the top financial website in Canada. And not a lot of people know this, but the real sort of idea behind that website was to try to get your average person access to the same information that people on Wall Street and things like that have access to. So we were really focused, and this is back in 1995, uh, on getting people real information and, and really opening it up, sort of like a more like a peer-to-peer, -peer, more open source uh, sort of a thing. Uh, and we had a actually a lot of fight back from it. We were trying to go public a few times on stock markets and they're like, well, we hear you have uh, message boards on your site mm -hmm. and we don't want anyone who has message boards to go public. And I was like, well, Yahoo has message boards and they're public on the NASDAQ. But, but we got a lot of uh, uh, fight back from that because we we're trying to get people access to more real information. So that was really sort of my first sort of try to do these sort of things way back. Uh, I started it around 1993. So as soon as I found out about the internet, I, I knew the internet was going to be huge. And it rose to a quarter billion dollar valuation by the year 2000. Then it completely collapsed after the tech bubble burst. So that made me start looking into why we have these bubbles. And that led me to figuring out what the central banks are and things like the Federal Reserve. And from that point on, I, I traveled the world a lot because I also knew that everything that we'd been told in the government indoctrination camps, which they call schools, and on the television programming, and it's literally called programming for a reason, uh, because 
Uh, it literally is brainwashing and propaganda. And so I wanted to see the world with my own eyes. So I bought a sailboat and I traveled around the world. I actually ended up sinking the sailboat in El Salvador. And I continued on to about 70 different countries afterwards uh, with a backpack and uh, really realized everything that we've been told uh, in the media, movies from Hollywood, uh, about how dangerous and scary the rest of the world is was absolutely not true. In fact, I came to realize that one of the least free countries in the world is the United States, which calls itself the land of the free. That's, of course, marketing and propaganda, of course, but it, it really is one of the least free countries in the world. So once I realized all that and I looked into central banking, started to realize what a real scam the entire financial system is, definitely the monetary system with fiat currencies. I decided in 2009 that I was going to start the dollar vigilante, which uh, still is happening today. And the tagline was surviving and prospering during and after the dollar collapse. And when we launched in 2010, I said by the end of the decade, all fiat currencies will probably collapse. And everyone thought I was absolutely insane. And I said, this, this is totally unsustainable, this amount of debt that all these countries have now, uh, this completely unbacked fiat currency system. And back in 2010, some people would ask, well, if, if this whole system is going to collapse, what's going to take its place? And I said, I don't know, but I'm sure the market will come up with something. And one year later, in 2011, I found out about Bitcoin at, at around $3. And I became one of the biggest proponents of Bitcoin because I could see it as being the thing that could come next after this entire system collapses, a truly market-based solution, not uh, controlled or backed by any central bank or government or even the ability to control it and, and do anything with it, a completely free market money. So uh, I've been doing that ever since. And of course, in the last few years, crypto's really taken off. So we've been covering all of that as well. And I continue to cover all of it because I think it's so important that we take away the power of the, the state, the, the governments and the central banks especially, because they really are what create most of the problems in the world. In fact, uh, Ron Paul said that it's no coincidence that the 20th century was the century of total war. It was also the century of central banking. That's Federal Reserve was founded in 1913 on Christmas Eve when hardly any congressmen were in Congress. And uh, the same year, they actually put in the income tax. It was no um, no coincidence. This is all sort of planned. So, but now for the first time, and a lot of gold bugs have been saying for a number of years that gold would save us from all this, but they've done a really good job. Of course, in 1933, they outlawed gold in the land of the free in the U.S. So gold was actually not even allowed legally to be owned. If anyone cares about government laws, I, I personally couldn't care less. By U.S. Uh, tax slaves from 1933 to 1971, when they took away the gold backing away from the dollar and put us onto a worldwide fiat currency system, which, as I said, I expect to collapse in the next few years. Right on. And I, I just want to tell the listeners that everything that Jeff just said right now was done without an edit. This is not going to get edited. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a practiced pro. I've done this a few times. You have done <laughs> this a few times. <laughs> you said something that I want to touch on a little bit because a lot of people and especially in the states don't travel much. And I think that it's very important because this is again crypto 101 to understand what's happening outside the borders. What's happening outside? I mean, I, I was born in Ohio. And just thinking about what's happening in, say, New York City is a huge, huge step if you've never been out of Ohio. I've been to around 40 countries myself, and I 100% agree with you. Everybody says the world is a scary place. People are there to, you know, do you wrong. I've lived in China for 13 years, and everybody says, you know, communist China. And it's kind of not true. It's true to, to an extent, but it's not true where they're just, you know, anti-American or going to, you know, hurt you or kind of everybody's just that way that people might say in the States or whatever adjective you want to put there. Could you just touch on your travels a little bit, what you found out and how you came to that understanding of the world that you have now? Yeah, the first place I really started off was in Mexico because I was on my sailboat. So I sailed down from Canada to the U.S., then to Mexico and actually was only planning to spend maybe a week or two going through Mexico. And I spent an entire year just going down the West Coast because I loved it so much. I was like, it's so much freer here and such a better life. And no one's walking around talking about Ebola or Syria or North Korea. <laughs> everyone's just right. enjoying life and, and everything's very relaxed and nice. And then I continued on, of course, I saw most of Latin America after that and very 
similar, same thing. Of course, every country has its positives and negatives. Some are pretty good in one thing and, and not very good in other things. Uh, just as one example, I showed up in Trinidad and Tobago a few years ago and I had on some camouflage colored shorts and apparently those are illegal in Trinidad and Tobago and I had oh, a wow. big problem. But, you know, everyone's, every country's got its own really stupid sort of things. Right. Um, and then I continued on and, uh, you know, one of the places you brought up China that really uh, was so enlightening for me to see was what you just said is nothing like we're told uh, it's very free market so a lot of people very. still to this day will go uh, oh you went to china oh it's communist it's like well not really the, the government calls itself the communist party and yes there's a very big government there that does a fair amount of central planning related stuff but when it comes to your average business every little business anywhere in china it has really no controls whatsoever and that's really what has caused the boom in china over the last 10 or 20 years is it's almost completely free market and not a lot of people realize that and not to mention there's hardly any police state whatsoever you rarely see police and if you do they rarely bother you i don't think i even had one even talk to me the entire time i was there whereas in the u.s almost every time i go to the u.s i get kidnapped by people with blue blue outfits on and costumes <laughs> and uh, and it's funny because I, I come back to mexico and people are like oh you're going to mexico isn't it dangerous it's like i'm just so glad to get out of the u.s it's so dangerous up there <laughs> and even if cops do things to people in China, a lot of the times the people will go and beat up the cops, which I think is totally fine if they're <laughs> aggressing against other people. Uh, they do that in a lot of countries. They do that here in Mexico as well. And that's sort of this thing that they want to get out through the mainstream media is every place is so dangerous. Look, these, these people were actually beating up cops or killing cops. It's like, well, good, because those cops were aggressing against other people. It's only in the U.S. where that's very rare. And I'm not inciting or saying that you should be attacking cops. I think you shouldn't be attacking anyone, in my opinion, including the cops should be attacking anyone. That's really just my base belief that you should never aggress against other people. But I have no problem with people defending themselves. And you see that in some of these other places. Places. But yeah, in general, pretty much everywhere. I, I've been to about 100 countries now. I'm trying to think if there was any that I prefer the U.S. over those countries. Right. I'd say Venezuela right now is really tough because of its, its complete collapse thanks to major communism and the central bank printing massive amounts of money destroying the economy. I was there about a year ago. I probably don't want to live in Venezuela right now. I was just in Somalia. Uh, that is a big mess. Uh, mostly all governments fighting over control of that area. Yeah, I saw your video uh, so, on oh, that I don't, one. I don't, yeah, I don't want to live in Somalia. I'm trying to think. I haven't been to North Korea, so I can't comment if it's worse or better than the U.S. And I try not to ever comment on things I've never done. I think everyone should do that. I'm really getting tired of people having very strong opinions about things they know nothing about. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to say too much about if it's better or worse in North Korea because I haven't been there. And I definitely don't trust anything that we see in the media. But those are basically the only two countries I can think of off the top of my head that if I had to live in the U.S. or Somalia or U.S. or Venezuela, I might choose the U.S. Every other country, I'd choose the other country. Mm -hmm. You know, that's interesting that you said that about China and the, the police. And in most countries that I've been to is police act as more mediators between two parties that are having a conflict. So if you are called because there's a fight or two cars get into a crash, they come and they figure out the situation. They're like, OK, let's see what happened. How do we make everybody happy and walk away from this and compensate or deal with insurance or what have you? And when you said about China and the freedom, I think there's two different kinds of freedom in China. There's the micro and there's kind of the macro or general. The macro or general is more controlled by the government, I think, like, you know, like a little bit about, you know, your speech, what internets you can use. But that's more for, I think, protectionism of their industry than of actual control of speech. Because on the micro level, People could do almost whatever they want. You open a business, you open a business. You want to sell whatever wares besides, you know, illegal stuff like drugs and guns, but you can sell it in no problem. And, you know, I always felt more free on a personal level in China going about my day-to-day -day life than I did in the United States. Yeah, I think it was uh, John Stossel of Fox News who did a little uh, video showing what it actually takes to start a lemonade stand in the U.S. today. Remember when 50 <laughs> years ago, if you're a kid, you could just sell, sell some lemonade on your front lawn and learn some entrepreneurial skills and make a couple dollars? I did. Well, now uh, you need health inspections, uh, government permission, government license. Uh, he added it all up. I forget the exact number. It was something like $100,000 and about six months of paperwork with the government, which is 
sort of what a lot of people think of as these sort of very hardcore communist countries. That's sort of what they used to be like. You couldn't really start a business or do anything. There was just too many regulations and rules and all that sort of stuff. And that's basically what the U.S. has become today. And because of that, it's really just the large corporations now in the U.S. who do really well. And they actually put in all those regulations. They work with the government. It's a form of fascism. People like Walmart will work with the government and say, hey, why don't you up the minimum wage? Uh, that way, no one else can compete with us because the, the smaller places have a lot closer sort of margins and, and profit uh, margins and things like that. So if they increase the minimum wage or, or increase uh, regulations, so it, you need all these inspections before you can start up anything, it keeps out a lot of the competition. And that's really what you have in the U.S. today, whereas you pointed out in China and almost every country in the world, you could pretty much just start a business and that's it. It's done. And that's really the, the key to prosperity is allowing people just to be able to do what they want, to interact and trade items as they wish. Because both sides of every trade in, in the history of the world, unless the government of force is, is used in it, whether it's uh, someone buying a Big Mac or whatever it might be, uh, both sides are profiting. The person who's buying the Big Mac has figured out that that $5 or whatever it costs now with the rapidly inflating dollar costs, is, it's worth giving that $5 to get the Big Mac. And McDonald's, although there's lots of government involvement in how they operate, but in general, McDonald's wants to give you the Big Mac more than the $5. So every single transaction actually profits everyone. And it's a beautiful thing. The free market, when it's allowed to actually operate, can create prosperity for almost everyone in the world but many places, especially the U.S., are really making it harder and harder just for you to interact and to have those profitable transactions. You keep saying the U.S., though, but you're Canadian. Is there a mirror image of across the border there? or? Well, you know, I, I do focus on the U.S. because most people kind of know uh, a lot about the U.S. I could say the same thing about Canada. I could say the same thing about the United Kingdom. I could say the same thing about the European Union. In general, they're all the same. Australia's the same. Uh, a lot of these sort of Western countries have all become really controlled, really a mix of fascism and communism, absolutely nothing to do with freedom. I mentioned the U.S. just because that's what most people know. It's also right. the, the most authoritarian, the most egregious, the largest terrorist organization in the world, actually, is the U.S. government. Uh, they're bombing places constantly every day, and they exert so much influence over the rest of the world as that movie Team America World Police really kind of <laughs> put into perspective. Uh, the, for whatever reason, they think they're the world police, and they are everywhere accosting people across the world. So that's, that's the reason I mostly pick on them, but I could say the same thing about Canada. Canada used to be a fair amount different than the U.S., but it's almost basically the same place now. So what was the purpose of starting Dollar Vigilante? You sold your company. I think you sold your company, correct? Yes. You went traveling. You found yourself in Mexico. This is where you are now. We're talking beautiful background. It's, it's, a, it's gorgeous. When you started Dollar Vigilante, you probably had a goal and a purpose in mind. So what was the goal of starting Dollar Vigilante? And where do you want this to go? What do you want people to know? I guess when they watch it, you know, here's the surface of the Dollar Vigilante. You watch it, you see a guy, conspiracy theory. This is what people are going to say, conspiracy theory. We saw something about Trump, the Rothschilds, uh, World War III, Trump starting World War III. You know, it's only delayed a little bit because of Hillary Clinton. You see all these things that you're putting on there. And people are going to say, well, he's just like Alex Jones. Just waiting for him to sell his uh, muscle wares on, you know, and shill his own products. But how is this... How do I want to say this? How is this different? Are you on the side of, say, a conspiracy theorist? And what is a conspiracy theorist? Because this is if, if you were watching the media, I know everybody's going to say this guy's a conspiracy theorist. Separate yourself. Well, I have no problem being called a conspiracy theorist because that's a lot of what I do is I look into how things work and I, I come up with actual factual evidence to show how things work. The term conspiracy theorist was actually termed in the 1960s by the CIA, and you can actually look at their paperwork. Uh, they came out with it because so many people were questioning the JFK assassination that they said, we have to make these people look crazy because they're catching on that it wasn't just this guy from some library who shot bullets from different angles. I have no problem at all being called a conspiracy theorist. I look into everything. That's what I do. But I look for factual information and I put out that factual information. The fact that it doesn't jive with anything you see on TV and almost anything you've heard in schools is because that stuff is all controlled information with a certain 
narrative that they want everyone to believe in. That you go to the U.S., you're, you're forced into 12 years of government indoctrination camps, which is called schools, and you're supposed to do the Pledge of Allegiance every day. This is no different than North Korea or any other place. They're feeding you information. You go to your history class, and oh, what great people saved us from the U.K., even though it doesn't seem to be any difference between the U.K. and, and the U.S. anymore. Everyone's cheering on the royal wedding and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> they say they're all heroes, and, and look at the people who are heroes, like Abraham Lincoln. That's got to be like the most obvious one. The guy was so, he was very pro-slavery. He couldn't care less about slavery, but of course what they tell you in the schools is he was trying to stop slavery. What actually happened? And it wasn't even a civil war. It was an act of aggression uh, from the U.S. government against the South because the South wanted to separate from them because they were doing so many things and taxing and all these sort of things. Mm-hmm. And But they saw it as, oh, he was trying to free the slaves. No, he, he's quoted so many times saying he couldn't care less about the slaves. And then you look at the Lincoln Memorial Monument. You go look at it in Washington, D.C. You can just Google it right now. What are his two hands sitting on? Giant fascies. Fascies are a bundle of sticks with rope tied around them, and they signify essentially a nation state that is incredibly strong and will use force and violence to keep everyone in line. And that's what Lincoln was. He was just a fascist. And they just do that uh, nonstop, teaching people things that are totally false. And if you look at every war of the U.S., and I'm talking about every single war, I think everyone I've looked into was started with a documented false flag attack, usually done by the CIA or the U.S. government. And the most obvious and the most documented one was the Vietnam War. What is the U.S. doing in Vietnam, napalming kids for years and years and years? It all started with the Gulf of Tonkin incident, which you can look up. This has actually been released from the Pentagram. They call it the Pentagon, but it's actually in a Pentagram. No one seems to notice this. And they, they said, yeah, we bombed our own ship uh, in order to get the the U.S. people to uh, want to go to war in Vietnam. And this is the same thing for every single war. You even look at the Gulf War uh, that you know started with 9-11, which was not done by Osama bin Laden. It was done by essentially mostly people in the CIA and people like that. Uh, they do that to go in there. And then, of course, they, they went into Iraq and they said, oh, it's for weapons of mass destruction. This has all been debunked. They had no intention of looking. There was no weapons of mass destruction. If there was, they would have known because Donald Rumsfeld was the one selling Saddam Hussein most of mm. his uh, military equipment for years. There's lots of photos of them laughing and shaking hands. So if they had sold them any weapons of mass destruction, they'd have the receipt for it, but they knew they didn't. <laughs> and then you see even like George Bush uh, during his presidential speech in front of the press, just laughing and laughing. He goes, oh, no weapons of mass destruction over there. Where could they be? And everyone just laughing and clapping. They all know the game. And so when people come out and say, oh, you, you're not saying the same thing. We're told in the schools and the media, so you must be crazy or conspiracy theorists. I don't, you know, what am I going to say except for you're actually the one who's completely brainwashed through the schools and the mainstream media to believe a certain narrative, which is almost completely false. So back to the first part of my question, what are you trying to get out of the dollar vigilante? Because, look, you're well off. You don't need to do this. You could chill, go snorkeling, scuba diving. Drink, drink a couple of champagnes at night and do it in for the rest of your life. Why are you making the show? Well, when I first started it, I felt like I needed to do something that was my passion. And I think that every single person out there should be trying to find their passion and try to do their passion. And one of my main passions back in 2009 was in freedom, in in waking people up to all the control systems, why they're illegitimate, why they're wrong, why they're hurting the world more than anything else. And by starting the Dollar Vigilante, I began to uh, get information out there. And you have to realize, eight years ago, a lot of the stuff I talk about today sounded like complete crazy stuff, but it's all been proven right so far to the point where I don't even seem that weird anymore. I'm just pointing out this entire monetary system. just It's a, it's a scam. It's a, like if you just look at the numbers, it's set up as a scam. It's set up to make sure that you're always having to uh, – you can never fully really get ahead. They're always stealing from you through the hidden tax of inflation, and the hidden tax of inflation has been talked about by everyone, including Henry Ford, the creator of the automobile in the early 20th century said, if people understood how the monetary system works, there'd be a revolution tomorrow. And he's exactly right. But most people still today don't fully understand what a scam it is and how it works. It's essentially made up to enrich the not even the top 1%. It's literally the top 0.00001% at the um, expense of everyone else who gets robbed uh, through these systems. Yeah. So when you ask me what what is the hmm. point of what I'm trying to do, it's mostly trying 
to spread information to wake people up to what's really going on. Because I don't think we can change a lot of these things unless people kind of understand that they are bad and why they're bad. And then once they understand that, then we can go ahead and figure out ways to start to change these things. And it just so happened that while I'm trying to do this, cryptocurrencies came out, which actually give us the tools to actually change these things now if we want to. Uh, but again, it'll, it'll take enough people understanding who the real enemy is. And in my opinion, the real enemy are governments and central banks. And now a word from our sponsor, Anything App. Hey everyone, it's Anything App, a blockchain project from the Netherlands. I hope you're enjoying Crypto 101 podcast. We've been developing a platform over the last year that we are very passionate about and we wanted to share with you. With the Anything App, you can quickly connect with someone you don't know yet to get help from them over the phone. Some of them will help for free, while others might charge a small price. You can call, chat, video call. Don't know how to fix something? Cool, just video chat the handyman and ask. Don't know which pants to buy? It's all right. Video chat and show a stylist. Do you have a quick tax question regarding your crypto? Sure, just ring someone for two minutes instead of Googling for hours. Taxes, business development, food, mental health, furniture, you name it. Whenever Google is too slow or you need another set of eyes on something, that's the Anything app. With Anything app, people save time. People solve problems. They make money. They feel great after helping someone or feel great after being helped. It's a transparent and fun source of income that's available to anyone. Check out the website, anything.app, and join the token presale, which should be live right around now. Thank you very much, and we're looking forward to disrupting communication together. I love that you made that bridge for me. I was just about to do it. I have a question before that, though, uh, eight years ago when you started it. And this, is, this might be a weird question. When you started Dollar Vigilante, you were like, okay, I believe in this. You know, Did you have this little doubt, like, okay, am I doing the right thing? And then eight years later, you start to get more and more justified and a little, little, little less crazy. You're like confidence building. And <laughs> now you're walking around like with your chest out, like, yeah. Well, uh Interestingly enough, when I first started it, the things I was saying were so extreme that it was really hard to even say them. It's, it's a, I think I was also brainwashed to an extent. And I think we're kind of brainwashed or programmed from early childhood through the, all the systems, the education system, the television programming, all of that, not to be too radical, not to speak out too much. And I remember when I was first writing blogs in 2010, 2011, and I would say something that some people might say is fairly extreme, like government is an unnecessary evil and the central banks are just a, a absolute scam. I would have to have a couple of glasses of wine sometimes to, to write it all out. I just didn't have the full confidence. Right. Uh, and I was a little scared, you know, it's, it would seem like a scary thing at the time. And I, I remember it used to take so much out of me to write one of those. Mm -hmm. um, like I'd spend all day, I, I have to make it right because, you know, most people haven't heard this. And if I get anything wrong, they're really going to attack, attack me. Yep. Yeah, so I'd really work. I'd spend hours and hours, and, and I'd finally hit enter, and I would actually cringe and, and just hope that all the comments were, you're crazy, you're a nut job. Uh, <laughs> and there was a lot of that back then. And I'd just have another glass of wine. It's like, it's okay, I know this information's right, but it's really hard to you know just kind of like say it too much. Um, but then after years and years and years of doing this now, and then as you pointed out, more people are catching on and we're getting way more evidence of how it all works. And, and people are like, you were right, you were right. Um, now, I'm very comfortable with it. I don't need any, I don't have to have a glass of wine to write a blog. I could, and I write those blogs and like, people be shocked like 15 minutes sometimes. Because uh, as you can see, as I'm talking here, I've, because I've done this for so long and right. looked into all this information, it's all mostly in my head, quite easily accessible. So when I know what I want to write, it's like burnt and no stress at all now and I hit enter and I'm, I'm sure that it's going to be very well received because m there's more and more and more people who are catching on to this. So yeah, it was difficult in the early days and uh, I went through a lot of stress and I actually got quite depressed at a point because I started to wonder about really fighting this system. Like what have I gotten myself into? Mm -hmm. And during the process, when I started, I had no kids. And as I'm doing it, all of a sudden I've got two kids and a wife and, and I'm like, well, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if the government like kills me for this? this isn't you know good for them and stuff like that? Right. But I actually had a talk with them a few years ago, and they knew what I did. And I said, "Do you want me to stop because it'll be safer for our family probably if we do?" And they said, "No, Papa, you you keep going. We we support you and what you're doing." And and from that point on, I just been keep keep going from there. Actually, I'm really happy I uh, asked that question now because it is a thing. I mean, to go out there and put yourself out there is. It is a stress. It's it's anxiety. As much as we don't care and we say we don't care about our peers, but when we get those negative comments as a podcaster as well, it's like, okay, what do I believe in? How do you how do you frame the mission that you're on and juxtapose that to what you just did to try to prove or prove to yourself that their comments are misplaced? And you have to just keep keep that focus and going through through all the negative and even the positive. Sometimes the positive is a little bit too much and you're like, okay, wait, am I just pumping myself up here? And, and, and are they just feedbacking or, or give me a feedback loop of what I want to hear? So you really have to keep in line. And I'm really happy I asked that question. And thank you for that answer. Just to follow up to that question is that, like we said, you're doing okay. You know, and the thing is, is when you said, I have to make something about what I believe in. You know, and I've, I found a purpose and this is what you're doing with Dollar Vigilante. But you have the luxury to do that. If this was like mom and pop over, you know, at the grocery store or working at McDonald's or the waiter, or the waitress, the bartender or what have you, they don't have that luxury because they're going to be, you know, looked at society from society and go, this guy's crazy. They might lose their job. They might lose some friends. And how much responsibility do you say people in your position say have to keep moving a narrative of different ideas? Well, one of the things I do hear from a lot of people, which I appreciate them saying, is they're so happy that I'm speaking out so that they don't have to as much. That's a lot of the response I get. A lot of people are quite, uh, they don't really want to go out and speak a lot of these things. They, they, they're they worried, as you pointed out, about the reception they're going to get from their mostly brainwashed friends. But the thing I, I try to tell everyone is just say what you feel is true. Uh, there's nothing better to do in life, or one of the best things, is just to live a true life and truly say what you believe no matter what anyone else says and in many ways this process when i first started in 2010 i'd never done a youtube video or anything like that before i've always been kind of introverted and shy in general and if you look back at my first few videos which started around 2011 i was incredibly camera shy i i had i i, I was nothing like i am right now not to say i'm really great right now but like i was so frozen really i didn't know how to really even communicate and after doing this thousands and thousands of times i've just become a lot better at it so in that way it's also been uh, great for me. It's been a very big learning process mm -hmm. and a, a great self-development process. And I would just really recommend to everyone out there to 
no matter what uh, you worry about what people think, just go and do what you think is right. Uh, say what you believe. It actually works out for the best in the end, because if you're hanging around with a bunch of people, let's say it's just your family and your friends and you live in a small town, they've never heard any of this sort of stuff. And you start saying it and they all, you're crazy, you're an idiot, all that kind of stuff. At some point, maybe you should like move away from some of those people and find new friends to hang out with and things like that who actually understand some of your ideas. Or what might happen is, and this happens to me all the time, I'll be somewhere and I'll say something a little bit outside of the box at some party or something. And a few people will be shocked if it's like people I don't know. And then it's always one or two people will come up to me afterwards and go, thank you for saying that. I, I couldn't say it. I'm too scared. But thank you so much for saying that. So you never know what the response is going to be. Mm -hmm. And for yourself personally, and I, I know this, I, it took me so long to get used to all the hateful comments on YouTube and stuff like that. These trolls, these these mostly kids in basements somewhere are just trying to do anything to like get you upset. Right. Uh, and really now I've gotten to the point, I don't really read the comments much anymore, but if I do, and I will see still some really heinous, you know, comments about something horrible about me or something. And I just kind of laugh it off now because if you're allowing someone to affect your life in that way, so if you read this comment from some kid who's probably like a 12-year-old kid in in Chicago or something, and he's ruined your whole day, he's got a lot of power, and he likes that power. <laughs> he likes it a lot. But you should realize, too, that you actually have full control over how you feel, over your emotions. Uh, you have full control over what you want to let affect you or not. And if you can't, if it is really hard, I would say just keep doing it more to the point where you just become used to it. And that's basically what I did. It's not easy, but I, I think it's much better than just trying to, you know, kind of hide from it or, or try to avoid the comments or try not to even speak out because you're so worried about the comments. You know, it's a really great learning experience. For me personally, I feel so much stronger now that I know no one, there's not one comment on the internet that can really hurt me. And in the old days, that was not the case. It would have really hurt having someone say something about whatever it was that was just like a personal attack. And it would have just like dug at me. Uh, now it doesn't whatsoever. And in many ways, I'm, I'm so much stronger and more happier because of that. Yeah, word, word. Now, finally, after about 30 minutes of chatting, we were going to actually get what they came for, and that's a crypto 101 about crypto. So we, we know a little bit about you now, a little bit about where you come from, what's up with uh, Dollar Vigilante, and a little bit about the way that you think. How does Bitcoin blockchain fit into that? Well, as I pointed out, I think the two biggest problems in the world for humanity as a whole are governments and central banks. And... When you have a cryptocurrency that is not controllable by them and is a completely free market currency that can't be inflated by them, it can't be regulated by them, it's actually a massive, massive paradigm shift in humanity. Uh, essentially, in my opinion, the monetary system, the way it is today, a fiat currency central banking system, and mm -hmm. not a lot of people know this, but one of the main tenets of communism is to have a central bank. Because essentially what you're doing with a central bank is you, especially given the control of the government, put in uh, legal tender laws and you say, okay, you can only use this piece of paper that we print up with a bunch of dead pr criminals on it. We can print up as much as we want. And if you use something else, you're gonna, we're gonna come with guns and put you into a rape camp. That's essentially what's going on. And so then you have the central bank and they're just printing up whatever they want. They, they have complete control. And because of that, they can really do almost anything they want. And they can make such massive fortunes, just like they did in 1929, the Great Depression. So the Federal Reserve was founded in 1913. By 1920, they already started printing up a lot of money. They knew what was going to happen. They knew the stock market would skyrocket because when you put out more money, all of a sudden everyone thinks they're richer. They don't know they're not because it takes a while to figure out what's actually going on. That's the real scam of inflation. So the stock markets go sky high in, in 1920. 20s up to 1929 and then you can look this up this is all documented information the central bank rescinded a lot of the money supply so they started calling in loans started doing things like that which actually decreased the money supply they knew exactly what was going to happen they knew the markets would crash and cause essentially what is now known as the great depression so they bought all the way up, sold it all the top right before they knew that they were going to rescind the money supply. Then things crashed 90% overnight, not overnight, but over a few months or about a year. Right. Then they bought it all up at pennies on the dollar. They actually do this 
all the time. This is every single crash. So I brought up the tech bubble uh, collapse in 2000. They did that then. The the ma major sort of what they say is a real estate sort of collapse in 2008. That was the exact same situation. They had boosted the money supply. It caused a bubble in houses. They then went and sold all the mortgages as completely fraudulently and all that sort of stuff to everyone else, got the government to backstop it, got out of the market, rescinded the money supply, markets crash, they buy again. They just over and over and over do this. And so to have a money now uh, like Bitcoin or any uh, cryptocurrency, there's a number of uh, decent ones, changes the game. If everyone in the world today started using cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, you would see all fiat currencies just go to zero very quickly. You would see all governments have to go down in size from their current size to minimum about 90% smaller uh, because that's about all that they really get from extortion or what they call taxation. A lot of it is really comes from just the money printing. And you would see the central banks go away and you'd see massive amounts of prosperity. All wars would end. All militaries would have to just almost go away. And we would have a, a world of peace and prosperity like we've never known it. So. When you're asking, well, why do I like cryptocurrency? That's why. This is our real chance to get rid of this heinous system that caused hundreds of millions of deaths in the 20th century. And I'm not just talking about World War One, World War Two, which were all planned. All It's just a big game of risk for the people at the top. They're just having fun. They're like, which one should we blow up? And we'll, we'll spend billions of dollars. We'll get the government, which we control. They control every government uh, because they control the central banks. And they'll say, OK, uh, you do this. You buy all this military stuff from our friends. They're, they're involved with the military industrial complex as well. Blow up stuff. They love that. And then we'll come in and, and, and take it over again at pennies on the dollar. Uh, so cryptocurrencies have the complete potential to get rid of governments and central banks to a large extent, to the point where we have a world of peace and prosperity like we've never known it. So that's why I like crypto. How do I want to phrase this? That is very, okay, it's a lot. What you just said is a lot. And the average person that's driving to work right now to work whatever shift they're going to they're gonna do and, of course, get 30% taken off the top from, uh, from, from taxes, why should they care? I mean, this is a little too much. It's overwhelming. It's, you just said, you know, about the Depression, the Fed, central banks, all these billions of dollars in the, the military complex and all these different things. And you know what? For an average person that's just trying to live their day-to-day -day life and pay bills and put food on their table and, you know, maybe have some free time for their kids, that, that's too much. That's too much. How would you sum this up to the average person? How would you say, hey, this is what Bitcoin is. This is how cryptocurrency or blockchain technology could change your life. And what, how would it change? Yeah, you point out a really important thing, and that is your average person is so busy working two or three jobs, and so is the, the wife as well. This is all on purpose. They, uh, Rockefeller did this back in the 30s and 40s, uh, putting in all these sort of things so that, uh, and then, of course, the Federal Reserve uh, keeps inflating the currency. They put in all these major taxation and rules and regulations to basically keep most people paycheck to paycheck, essentially. I think it was, uh, I saw a stat somewhere, 85% of people in the US are essentially living paycheck to paycheck. Mm. So for your average person out there, first of all, they don't need to understand all the stuff we just talked about. But if they did understand some of it, they would be very, very unhappy and angry. But they don't even have time to do that because they're, they're just working so hard. But for your average person out there, Here's the beautiful thing about cryptocurrencies. We don't need to convince one person in the entire world on the reasons why cryptocurrency is so great. We just have to make it available to them in whatever forms we can so that it's easy and they realize that it's better to use. So for example, Uber was really interesting because once you keep the government out of it and, and just let the market do what it can, all of a sudden Uber's great. I don't know if you've taken Uber, but okay. it's like, it's amazing. You press a button, it shows, you know exactly when it's going to show up. It's, it's so much, it's a yeah. million times better than any taxi. Yeah, no, absolutely. So again, how does Bitcoin help the average person? Why, why do they care? Essentially what Uber did was they didn't have to go out and convince everyone on why Uber's better or anything like that. But as people started to find out about it, they started to realize this is just a lot better. And that's essentially what Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are doing. Uh, for your average person, especially in many countries where they have capital controls, where I've been in recently, and even the U.S. has capital controls, but they're they're done in a very nefarious way that most people don't understand. But if you're trying to transfer money in, in, in a lot of places in the world, you actually can't. I just came back from Zimbabwe. Massive capital controls can't get any money in or out of the country. So all of a sudden you have Bitcoin and everyone around there, the Bitcoin's getting quite big in those countries mm -hmm. because people are like, this is just better. I can actually do this now. So if I've got an aunt who lives in the U.S. and I live in Zimbabwe and I need some money, 
She can't get it in any other way, but I can get it in Bitcoin. And then there's people who will Absolutely. trade Bitcoin through various ways. So I think the, the growth in the cryptocurrency will come very much like the growth in Uber in that people will just slowly realize it's a lot better. For me personally, I've got a company where I live all over the world, really. All my uh, people who work for me, I, I don't even say for me because really we're working together, but all the people who work with me, they're in different places. I think there's one in Georgia, and I don't mean the U.S. Georgia, the country of Georgia. Right. Uh, there's one in Cambodia. There's one in Ecuador, Uruguay, Canada. So anyway, I've got they're all over the place. Uh, to actually send bank wire transfers to all these people would be a nightmare. And not to mention, then there's all the rules and regulations and taxes, and we can't send too much, or they're going to ask why, and all these sort of yep. things. So I just pay them all in Bitcoin. It's beep, 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 beep. It's all done. So as people start to realize this is such a much better, easier, cheaper, for a lot of people who are trying to send smaller amounts, like a few hundred dollars to their family in Mexico or whatever, use Western Union, it works out to about 20 to 30 percent right. of, yep. of the total. Uh, Bitcoin, you're basically talking about no real, dollar, maybe one yeah. percent. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's Bitcoin exchanges all over the place now. So it's really going to be just a matter of people realizing how valuable it is. And a lot of other people out there creating really uh, amazing business models that make it so people just almost can't avoid using it. They'll want to start using it. And mm -hmm. once we reach that point, which I think we'll get in the next couple of years, all of a sudden it'll, it'll be like this real shift and people will be like, why would I even want to take dollars anymore? This is such a hassle. Um, and of course, now the governments will get really crazy as this happens and they'll try to make it completely illegal and all that sort of thing. But hopefully at that point, a lot of people realize I don't care if it's illegal. The same as, you know, marijuana has been illegal in, in the U.S. for decades. Almost everyone I know smokes marijuana. Uh, <laughs> you know, heroin's illegal. You can get heroin anywhere you want. Uh, so hopefully enough people go, well, I don't care what the laws are. This is just so much better. I'm going to use it. So it's going to be a battle. I don't know if the cryptocurrencies are going to win out in the end, but it is our best option or, or best thing that's ever happened to give us that potential. So that's why I think it's so amazing and, and life-changing and a massive paradigm shift that we're just getting started on. I 100% agree. I often say on the channel that I couldn't do this without Ethereum. I pay everybody in Ethereum. I have the editors and they're in different countries. Bloggers are in Australia, Germany, you know, the United States. There's people in South America. I have a, one guy that helps me out is from Indonesia. And so we have all these guys. I, I couldn't even think about doing this without cryptocurrency. It would be impossible. What do you think, though, about the cryptocurrency organizations? What do you think about the people that the leaders and what have you? I mean, a lot of them, let's just say Charlie Lee, for example, Charlie Lee just sold his crypto, sold his Litecoin, made him lots of money. Don't even know how much, but he's doing well right now. But he's still moving this forward for, let's say, the people. Let's just say for a bigger picture. Do you really trust that these guys and their cryptocurrencies and their organizations have the bigger picture in mind for the best interest of the individual of society? Or do you think that there's just, you know, maybe they don't really care and we have to take control of blockchain itself as individuals? Well, the beautiful thing about blockchain in general is that if it's done, you know, the way that most of them are done, it's generally open source software. So it's really not even that important who is one of the leaders, as you say. For example, the leader of Bitcoin is Satoshi. No one even knows who it is. <laughs> and that's great. Uh, it's not necessary even. Uh, what we really need is trust and faith in the code. And many people have looked at the code. There's no backdoors on it. It all works uh, very well. And so it's not that important. And that's a really interesting shift as well. And that's that's the reason why something like Bitcoin is so amazing. There's no CEO. There's no Bitcoin office. If there was a CEO, he'd be in jail already. He'd already be in Guantanamo oh, yeah, Bay. Yeah. We've already seen that when someone says they're Satoshi, SWAT teams show up at their house. I think it was Craig Wright in, in Australia said he was Satoshi. SWAT team showed up and started just going through every nook and cranny of his house, looking for him, looking for stuff. Uh, so yeah, if there was a CEO, he'd be in Guantanamo. If there was an office, it already have a SWAT team gone to it and they'd shut it down because this is the biggest risk to the power structure is a monetary currency that they can't control. And so it's not important who the leaders are or what they have in mind. What's important is the technology and what we do with it. And of course, with these sort of things, we have a lot of say in what we want to support or not support. So for that reason, I actually think Bitcoin to an extent has had a, a number of 
shady characters enter into it and get involved and actually do some things that they got enough support on to make some changes, which actually made Bitcoin a lot more expensive last year and a lot slower. I think that was on purpose. So yeah, mm. it's a constant battle, a constant war to keep these things um, the way that they were supposed to be. And and you know, Bitcoin's the perfect example. Uh, many people today say Bitcoin is digital gold, but it actually was started by Satoshi Nakamoto as digital cash. And it's incredibly important that we have at least one crypto out there that can operate as a digital cash because that is the real key to diminishing the power of the governments and the central banks is to have an alternative money that they can't control nor stop so it's it's really important that one of those gets out there and of course there's so many uh, i i'm also a fan of bitcoin cash for that reason i'm a fan of monero i'm a fan of dash i'm a fan of uh, numerous uh, because i see them all in di various ways doing different things to make it so that we can have a digital cash right if it's okay could we just go into general questions sure all right who do you respect or look up to in the crypto space if you were going to be looking at a, a twitter feed or seeing somebody on the news or they blog something who would be the one person that almost every time you'll stop and read what they wrote? Definitely Vitalik Buterin. Uh, I knew him way before, right when they first were thinking about starting Ethereum. Back in Toronto, I stopped by their decentral office and I was like, okay, this guy's a genius. We have to pay attention to what he's doing. And we recommended Ethereum at $2 in 2016 for that reason. Uh, another one I really love is Dan Larimer, who started BitShares. He also started Steam. And now he's just about to launch uh, EOS. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is going to be his third uh, cryptocurrency project. He's also a genius. He's also a hardcore anarcho capitalist. I think Vitalik's also an ANCAP or an anarchist, but he doesn't speak too much about the political sides of it. But Dan Larimer actually does. So those are two people that I, I really respect and admire and, and and listen to what they're saying because I actually don't even understand about half of what they say really like they're, they're <laughs> real genius level kind of guys right on man uh whose advice would you take in general if you were trying to make a move in the space to know what's going on in the future or make an investment or what have you who in the space you think usually says true you know I don't actually watch a lot of other crypto channels or, or other things. I'm so busy doing my own thing. Uh, I can't think of any off the top of my head that I, I just uh, totally um, love. I, I just don't really watch or listen to a lot of other people. I know that we've been doing it to toot our own horn a little bit since 2011, way before anyone even knew what crypto was. And our calls have been mostly right all the way along. Like I, I think we had maybe one or two that, that didn't make 10,000% gains. So, you know, just to say that that's why I mostly focus on what we're doing. We've been really quite uh, amazing on it. I don't even know how to explain how we've been that amazing. Yeah, I, I mostly just do my own thing. All right, right on, right on. What projects do you think will have the most impact in the future? Right now, at the moment, I'm really excited about EOS. I think they're doing next level kind of things. You know, Bitcoin still has a lot to see how that's going to work out with the Lightning Network and all of that. Uh, we'll see what Ethereum does. It's going through so many changes right now, too. It's amazing how fast this, this space changes. Really, if you, if you leave for a couple of weeks, you come back, it's almost like you don't even know what's going on. It's so so <laughs> many things have changed in the meantime. So, you know, there's so many people. One of the things that really excites me is there's, there's literally, it's got to be hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of people now really working in this space and really excited about it and really building out new products and new tokens and new ways of doing things that I think we're going to see so much innovation in the next couple of years. I think it'll blow everyone's mind. So I'm just mostly excited about the space because when I got into it, no one even knew what Bitcoin was. Uh, 2011, 2012, I was talking on the internet and everyone's like, yeah, it sounds like a scam. It'll never work, that sort of a thing. And so now to see this entire industry has grown up around it as it's grown in size and to see how you go to these cryptocurrency conferences, of course, we've got our own here in Narcopoco called CryptoPoco. Mm. And uh, it's literally hundreds or thousands of just mostly young Younger people in their 20s and 30s, others older people as well, that are just, you look at their eyes and they're just full of excitement and they're full of ideas and they're so excited to build out uh, this new decentralized sort of systems that could essentially replace and make obsolete all of the archaic older systems of the financial and monetary and political systems. Crypto 101 is positioned to be the 101 of cryptocurrency. We talk about, you know, slang like HODL and just basic words to get people you know into cryptocurrency and also we have great interviews with we had cz on the other day we have you on and all kinds of other people to basically just hear about them about what they're doing in crypto it is quite possible that this might be the first podcast somebody would be listening to getting into crypto what would you want them to know 
what I would say to them is, if you're listening for your first time, so you probably just found out about it, is to really just start using it. A lot of people can't understand exactly how this works until you just start using it. And even myself, that's how I was. I heard about it in 2011. And it was actually Trace Mayer. He's quite well known in the crypto space. And we were down at Doug Casey's ranch in Argentina. And he said, have you heard about Bitcoin? I said, no, what is it? And he says, it's a digital currency that's based on a blockchain. It's all decentralized. I said, I don't know what you just said, but it sounds interesting. <laughs> and uh, he said, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go to your computer right now, open up a wallet. And I went to blockchain.info, which was around at that time. And within one second, I hit, hit one button. I said, oh, OK, it's open. And he goes, OK, what's your address? And I hit copy and I pasted it. And he said, okay, I just sent you, I think he sent me like three Bitcoin, which is pretty funny at the time, it was wow. like nine bucks. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I get the three Bitcoin, or maybe it was 10, it was like, it was a decent amount. He was in a different place, he was in the US, I was here in Mexico. And uh, he said, okay, I just sent it. And right as soon as he hit, said, I sent it, I heard a beep on my computer, I looked, I went, yeah, got it. And, and I said, now what, what, what can I do with it? And he said, well, you know, the, this is brand new. So there's not a lot of places selling stuff for Bitcoin yet. But he actually told me to go to his bookstore. He had an online bookstore for eBooks. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up giving him back the three or 10 Bitcoin anyway, which is kind of too bad. But, you know, it was his Bitcoin <laughs> to begin with. And so I, within about two seconds, I had already bought an eBook with the three Bitcoin that he had sent That's me. Awesome. And as soon as I had finished that, I just went, this changes everything. Yep. Can you imagine trying to do that with a, a banking system nope. uh, and say, hey, go open an account at Chase Bank. It's like, okay, give me a week. <laughs> okay, they want they want all my tax returns for the last 20 years and all this sort of stuff. Finally get the bank account open. It's like, okay, so now I'm going to send you some money. I'm going to need a, all your address information and all this information. And it's going to cost me about $50 to send it to you. Yep. And uh, then Take you got to go. Take three to five and, business days. Exactly. So, you know, to me, it was just like, okay, this changes everything. And of course, then I had to look into exactly how it works. I looked into all of Satoshi's writings, and I ended up writing the foreword for the book, uh, the book of Satoshi, which is a compilation of all his writings. And I was like, this is genius. I can't believe someone came up with this. And uh, I've just been involved ever since. But it really is just starting to use it. Unless you start to use it, sort of like email. Let's say you just found out about email. And I was around during 1993 when people didn't even know what the internet was. And imagine in 1993, I came up and said, hey, uh, you should use email. And you go, what is it? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you use this like internet protocols to send you versus DNS. You'd be like, what? But if you just go, just go to hotmail.com, which is what around at the time, and uh, open up an email, and then you do, and then I send you an email. Now you understand how it works. Now right. you might not understand exactly how it works, but no one, even today in 2018, has any idea how their email works. But right. they just know it works, and that's really all you need to know. Exactly. Exactly. Jeff Berwick, aka Dollar Vigilante. Thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101. Before I ask this last question, is there anything else you would like to say? I would just mention, if you're interested in this sort of stuff, I'm on YouTube. Just check out the Dollar Vigilante. We put out a new video almost every day. A lot of it's on crypto stuff. And if you want to get like more specific recommendations and stuff like that, just go to dollarvigilante.com slash subscribe. And as I mentioned, we do have a crypto conference every year as part of our Anarcopoco conference, which is a freedom-related conference that is in February. It's going to be February 14th to 17th this year, and CryptoPoco will be on February 17th. And you can just check that out at anarcopoco.com. Are you the organizer for that? Yeah, I started it, and uh, but now I have people running it. Uh, it's getting too big. We had 1,500 people last year. We might have like oh, nice. three or four or 5,000 this year. So uh, it's, it's its own thing now. But yeah, I started it up. Right on, man. Cool, cool. Last question. What three songs would you like for the Crypto 101 Spotify playlist? <laughs> well... One of my favorites of all time is F the Police by NWA. Um, it's just, <laughs> I was around when that song came out. I was like, yes, that's finally Me someone too. speaking up about this. You know, after that, I, you know, I guess maybe Pink Floyd, Another Brick in the Wall, that talks about uh, the the heinous nature of government education. All in all, you know, you know, lead, hey, teacher, leave those kids alone. Really, we're, as children, as, as brand new humans, the worst thing you can do is put them into a, a room with a bunch of other kids and sit them in a desk for eight hours a day and drag all the creativity out of them and destroy Word. all their 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 natural um, uh, you know human spark and make them into uh, memorizing slaves essentially so I'd pick that as number two and I guess as number three I'd, I'd say kind of any meditation music I'm into huge meditation I like binaural beats a lot uh, you know you really we all binaural need to, beats yes that's my YouTube channel right there man you just get there yeah. you can just groove on that for Get in your zone. I'm a big meditator yeah. myself. I actually have a meditation blog that the channel knows about as well. So I'm feeling you with that. 
Yeah, you know, we live in this world today with all the digital communications and it's just go, go, go. And you, you can just get just swamped, especially if you're in the cryptocurrency space, trying to keep up with what's going on. So once or twice a day, turning that all off, put on the binaural beats and just uh, breathe. Yeah, man. Cool. Jeff, man, thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101. I won't keep you any longer. You enjoy your night. I'm very happy that you came out and I'm more happy to watch that sunset go down right behind you. Yeah, me too. I'm going to enjoy it myself. Thank you very much. All right, brother. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. As always, ApogeeCrypto.com. That's A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com. The best place to check your real-time prices. CryptoNews.com if you need some news. And WPOnTheFly.co if you need a website. We will see you in the next episode of Crypto 101. And wish the Spartans good luck in our Dragon Boat race. Thank you for listening. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.